0: Welcome to the Take 5 podcast from Fortinet. You give us a few minutes, and we provide five cybersecurity tips and best practices for today's technology leaders. This podcast series taps into the experience from the Fortinet field CISO team and the work being done with and through our ecosystem of partners, technologies, and experts. I'm your host, Rick Peters, Fortinet CISO in North America for our operational technology practice And today we're talking with Chris Lovejoy, EY's Global Cybersecurity Leader. Chris, it's a pleasure to welcome you here.
1: Thank you so much. Thrilled to be here.
0: Awesome. Well, let's just get right to it because we've got lots to talk about today. And uh, up front, let's get to know you a little bit. So if you wouldn't mind telling us a little about yourself and why cybersecurity is so important to you.
1: Absolutely. So um, I've been in this industry um, going on almost 30 years, Um, hate to date myself, but I cannot believe it's been that long. Um, I started as a a network engineer, found my way into pen testing um, and have had, you know, it's what amounts to one long job though, you know, it's as you follow people, it, um, you know, just sort of on the resume, it seems like different companies, but suffice to say, it's been like one long job. Um, Been with a couple of startups, um, had the opportunity to act as the global CISO for IBM for quite some time, ran the uh, managed services and professional services division for them as well, Um, left to run my own company, which we sold to Comcast, um, and that was in the AI-based threat detection space, um, which is actually relevant um, on the OT side, and then um, joined EY about two
0: years ago. That is awesome. You know, it's it's always anxious. I'm anxious to learn more about those that I've had the opportunity to listen to. And you're certainly one of them. And I love this, that notion of one long job. You know, I asked, you know, what was your career like? I'm like, well, I actually think in that dimension, because when you're passionate and you're excited about what you're doing, it goes by fast. Yeah. say 30 years, you go, yeah, but it's really not that long. Yeah. It's a sequence of these opportunities to do things that, some which you might have anticipated and others which you were confronted with. So I love that fact that you know, you're know you shifting gears, and you had different experiences because I think that's what uh, makes you such a great trusted partner, right? Is that you have that wide array of experience. That's... hey, let's, um, let's talk about what's really driving change today. And for you, what's motivating change or fueling innovation and in operational technology that is changing how you think about cybersecurity?
1: Ah, so that's a great question. Um, You know, I think, you know, if you look at kind of the macro trends that are driving, you know, the marketplace, you know, historically, and this is true of IT and OT side, you know, there's three reasons why people tend to invest in, you know, security controls. I mean, one is there's been a crisis um, or the specter of a crisis happening. Somebody else has suffered one and I'm worried that I'm gonna have, to have one myself. And you know, you don't need to look any further than the headlines to see all of the ransomware attacks um, today that are spurring action. Um, second big reason is compliance. Um, and in today's marketplace, um, you know, I think what has been happening is because of some of the large scale ransomware attacks, particularly those that have um, impacted critical infrastructure industries, um, what's happening is the, you know, regulatory bodies are taking notice. And so what we're beginning to see is just a bevy of new um, compliance requirements, particularly those that are going to have and are having a pretty oversized impact on critical infrastructure and therefore OT, kind of that's driving action. And I think the third big thing is, you know, is the, the kind of the executive um, focus you know What we're seeing is because a lot of board members in particular, um, and this is kind of hidden from view, but is something to keep in mind because it is motivating a lot of activity, but a lot of board members are becoming a bit worried about their oversight responsibilities vis-a-vis cyber There is some chatter um, that there may be a requirement for a Sarbanes-like assessment of cybersecurity within organizations that they'll need to attest to. Um, There is some chatter that boards must have a cyber expert, like you have a financial expert. Um, There is some chatter that the sort of the credit ratings of different organizations are going to be decreased if they fail to sort of prove their cyber goodness around controls. And so that's creating this perfect storm. So the boards are beginning to really look to the business lines um, and the management teams and asking them, you know, what are you doing about cyber? And so I think that those combination of factors, you know, crisis, compliance, and board level scrutiny are all adding up to this kind of perfect storm um, where, you know, there is a recognition that, you know, no infrastructure like the OT infrastructure is immune um, and, you know, sort of our requirement is to get our arms around it.
0: Yeah, well, I love I love those three points because they kind of weave together. And, you know, if, if I were to just come up with a single term that I think kind of cuts through all of those would be accountability. That's mm-hmm. really, uh, of course, someone could say, well, yeah, it's the consequence of, right, of not acting. Uh, the, but it's really the accountability because all three of those threads are, are what's motivating uh, thought, right, whether it's proactive or reactive. Uh, and I really think this is an interesting time in our history, right, to understand the nature of the activity that's going on and, and the consequence of the failure to, to act, I think that's, it's probably more obvious uh, to the board members than ever that, you know, they're on the point of the spear, if you will. And so, you know, and I don't think that's exaggerated. I think that's, that, that's today's reality in 2021. And I don't think that diminishes as we move forward. Let's, uh, let's I wanna pull that thread a little bit further and talk about something that many think about in terms of digital transformation or convergence and all of that. But, you know, what is the real concern around an expanding threat landscape to leaders and operational technology so this is kind of taking it one layer further you
1: know i think there's a growing recognition that you know a an ot environment doesn't live in isolation And so, you know, they're beginning to, you know, we've seen some of these incidents happening, you know, over time. I think what they're beginning to recognize is even if it is an attack on the kind of the SAP infrastructure that's supporting, you know, kind of um, overall sort of logistics, billing, all that kind of stuff, it's going to have a a huge impact on the sort of on the production side. I think what they're also seeing is that rants, and it's not necessarily become, uh, it, it's not public knowledge now, but we are beginning to see more disruptive, destructive attacks being focused at the critical infrastructure in the OT environments. Now, you may be asking, you know, why is it that we're not seeing as much? And the reason beca- is because it's not a disclosable event. You know, typically speaking, organizations will only disclose a cyber breach if they have to, if there is a regulatory obligation for them to do so. And the way most regs read is that you only have to disclose if personally identifiable information has not only been sort of looked at or touched by uh, an actor, but has also been exfiltrated. So if you can prove exfiltration, then you may have an obligation only if it's PII to, to actually post that. And so think about it in an OT environment, doesn't happen right you're not going to be even if the the bad guys got in there was a ransomware event there's pretty much no PII there and so therefore you know you're not seeing these things hit the news unless it's something like you know a water you know plant a treatment plant in Florida or something along those lines then we're beginning to see it but otherwise it's pretty quiet but in any case I think that you know long story short It is. It's happening, and because it's happening, and because people, and because you know, management teams and boards are recognizing that the access to that OT infrastructure is not what it once was. Meaning that using you know, incorporating robotics, using you know, IIOt, um, make you know, knowing that you know, people on an iPad are coming in to actually manage you know, you know, the devices in the field. It's leading to an exposure, and so they—the combination of that worry and that recognition with that with the nose regs—is, I think, spurring
0: action. I think it's also interesting, and I, yeah, well, you hit—you pulled some great threads on the topic because it's there's more and more awareness, right, that goes beyond the traditional OT audience, right? Because yeah, headlines are out there, information is being consumed by the public, probably at a at a greater rate than any time in our history, there's more situational awareness about uh, the threat to the services, to the to the foundational services that most naturally think about when they're asked about. Well, you know, what are those things you need every day that OT provides? Right, safe water, consistent power, the services that everyone just sort of takes for granted. Yet we understand that, you know, the bad actor out there is seeking to disrupt uh, that chain to. Uh, cause doubt or concern and so we're seeing I think that I think that that the disclosure of it's interesting and I thought back to my own career in the, in the government and uh, more and more even as a government employee working in the intelligence committee I was touched by that the PPII issue it went, was 10-12 uh, years ago it had a huge disclosure and even to this date 12 years later I'm affected by that because right. I have access uh, information and validate that in fact uh, the integrity of my profile is still there. So it's an interesting time, and I, I, you know, I see more and more of a need of growing awareness and ownership of that. And I think that that's the that's the fine point on that one. You know, you're you're a trusted leader. You're a, often sought for counsel. And what advice do you offer uh, peers when asked about the introduction of new technologies, innovation like five G, or the evolution of of the internet of thing devices in, in operational technology environments. You
1: know, so the, the, it's interesting so just today we published a, um, a new survey our global information security survey. And, you know, one of the things that we really look at is kind of the dynamics between security teams and business teams. And, you know, what we found is that, you know, this past year, and this to me is just, it's one of those things that makes you want to jump off a building. But what we found is over the past 12 months during the COVID, you know, the pandemic period, a full 81% of organizations skipped or abbreviated security checks as they were rolling out new technology to support COVID operations. So think about that, you know, think about the fact that we're building cars and basically sending them out on the road with no windshields, brakes, or, you know, or any other kind of like seatbelt. It's the same thing. And so what I would say is for any organization that is, you know, sort of focusing on a digital transformation, the number one thing to remember is that, you know, it's like when you buy, when you buy a car, you don't think about the seatbelt because the seatbelt is built in. When you're buying technology, you're planning on IoT rollout, you're you know looking at 5G, security doesn't come in the box. You have to think about that. And so the most important thing for an organization to do as they're adopting new technology, which by the way, I think in today's world is critically important that we do digitally transform because I do think that the controls that we have available to us in and around new technologies is much, much better than, you know, sort of the old um, legacy infrastructure. But that said, as you're approaching the implementation of that new technology, security has to be baked in from the beginning. Um, It can't be something that's left to the last minute.
0: Wow. Uh, Yeah, you and I sing the, the same tune in that space. I'm such a believer in, you know, not avoiding the tactical preference, right? For getting getting to market faster uh, without, without understanding the consequence of baking the security. And I, I love that way of thinking about it because it's like pouring the foundation for, for your home, right? If you're not building your home on a strong foundation, you're creating that opportunity, right? For issues that are going to, they're certainly going to show up at some point in time and more likely at the worst possible time as we know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. planning early, implementing and thinking ahead, almost being proactive right with, with the strategy instead of reactive has got to be the place we head. But I, I, I like you believe that we've made so much progress that the, the opportunity to do uh, some, make some incredible steps in, you, in the cybersecurity maturity journey are, are right there today. And, and we've got to seize and, and, and make this the standard way of thinking. So I, uh, I'm absolutely in violent agreement with you, if you will. Hey, um, let's let's further this just a little bit and talk about how important or critical it is for an overall platform approach when it comes to securing IT and operations across cyber physical infrastructure.
1: Oh, it is so important. And and I wanna I wanna sort of touch on just three areas. I mean, first of all, you know, and let me just from a macro view perspective and You know, my experience working with organizations of all sizes and shapes, good security, bad security, is that those organizations that fare the best, that are best able to address cybersecurity risk proactively, as well as, you know, sort of uh, weather the storm, if you will, it's those organizations that have taken more of a hygienic approach, like ITIL adoption, Six Sigma adoption, you know, just process management. Those are the ones that succeed. Now, what is, I think, um, those organizations, particularly those that have OT or OTIT um, sort of fused environments, those organizations that have a good asset management focus tend to fare the best, you know, sort of in, that, in the OT, for, from the OT side of the house. Now, I, I want to emphasize that. Asset management is not something that um, those that are sort of you know deploying and managing OT they do particularly well. I don't know how many times we'll go into you know manufacturing um, infrastructure, and they may have a sense of what the you know equipment looks like, but they don't know where it is. So if you needed to update it, like physically, where is that thing, right? So there's just a matter of hygiene around asset management. You know, second thing is again going back to ITIL patch management and the ability to check any of the code. Uh, and I when I say check, I mean actually check not like just take it from the vendor and you know <laughs> update your systems, but actually check the integrity of the code assets that you're you're sort of taking in to make sure that they're legitimate. That's another big area. And then third is where I think in the OT and this is really important in an OT, IT fused environment is better overall threat monitoring. that platform that impl- that is implemented and I think you know for you guys at Fortinet, you do a particularly good job of offering um, you know capabilities to um, industry for that sort of cross asset monitoring. But what's critically important today is that you do ratchet up the way in which you're looking at threats. I mean typically speaking, you know, sort of deep threat a- um, analytics really hasn't been available. I mean, typically speaking, you know, organizations would like pull firewall logs and kind of monitor mm-hmm. that. What I'm talking about today is real true network security monitoring, you know, potentially even considering something like a Zeek infrastructure um, yeah. with some, you know, sort of customized um, protocol analysis capabilities, application of AI I'm not talking about you know, sort of unstructured machine learning, but like really you know structured machine learning. There's some, by creating that infrastructure and then deploying those capabilities, I think you can really, really, really do a good job of getting a sense of where, where those active threats are and how they are permeating through your various systems and services.
0: Yeah, you know, Chris, that's an amazing checklist of, of elements that are foundationally important. Uh, yeah, as always, it is a thrill to chat with you. Uh, I find myself learning every time we, we sit down and we talk about um, this arena of operational technology and security because we both uh, share a passion in that space. So, thank you again for joining us today.
1: My pleasure, anytime.
0: And to our listening audience, thanks for joining us for this episode of Take Five invite you to visit our website www.fortinet.com forward OT for more information on securing industrial control environments with the Fortinet security fabric. This Take 5 podcast is brought to you by Fortinet, securing your digital innovation across the entire digital infrastructure, whether in networked, application, multi-cloud, or edge environment.